journey to the red sea part three of narrative of the operations and recent discoveries in egypt and nubia by giovanni belzoni this librivox recording is in the public domain we set off in the forenoon and went along the coast till we arrived at el wadi agassan near the mines of el kebret or sulphur and on the southwest were the mountains of hamata i observed the coast all the way and took its direction on our road we met some fishermen like the former ones when they saw us at a distance they left their tents and marched off towards the mountains all our signs to them to stop were to no purpose we arrived at their tents and found some excellent fish just roasted which no doubt these people had made ready for their supper we partook of their meal and left some money in payment on the top of a water-jar and continued our journey for two days we had been troubled with the winds from the east blowing strong and resembling the siroccos of italy so that all our nerves were relaxed during this time everything we touched felt as if it had just been taken out of the water and at night there was an excessive heat and the atmosphere quite covered with clouds which i had not seen for three years and a half fortunately it changed after two days and the north wind dissipated all had it lasted longer we could not have proceeded on our journey at night we stopped at a well of bitter water on the seventh we set off early to see the mines of el kebrite or sulphur as they were not out of our road they never were productive but what little they may have afforded it appeared that the ancients had carried entirely away so that they left them exhausted like those of the emeralds towards the evening we saw the island of sref and we arrived at night at the cape el galulum it has here that we began to feel short allowance of water we calculated and found that without great care we should be without it therefore our thirst was not satisfied the eighth early in the morning we set off and continued our road to the south two hours after we saw the sea at a distance and went over a very extensive plain at about noon we approached the sea very thirsty and regaled ourselves with a little water and at one o'clock we arrived on the shore we did not expect to arrive at any ruins for as yet it did not agree exactly with the situation laid down by d'anville but to our agreeable surprise we found ourselves all at once on one of those moles of ruins which show the spot of ancient towns so often seen in egypt we entered and at once we saw the regular situations of the houses the main streets their construction in the centre a small egyptian temple nearly covered by the sand as well as the insides of the houses and our wonder increased on examining the materials with which the houses were built we could see nothing but coral roots mandrapore and several petrifactions of seaweeds and so forth the temple is built of a kind of soft calcareous and sandy stone but decayed much by the air of the sea the situation of this town is delightful see plate thirty four the open sea before it is on the east and from the southern coast to the point of the cape is like an amphitheatre of mountains except an opening on the northwest plain where we came from the cape el galahen extends its point nearly opposite the town on the east and forms a shelter for large ships from the north and northwest winds right opposite the town there is a very fine harbor entirely made by nature its entrance is on the north 
it is guarded on the east by a neck of encrusted rock on the south by the land and on the west by the town the north side as i said before being covered by the range of mountains which forms the cape protects the harbour also its entrance has been deep enough for small vessels such as the ancients had in those times but no doubt was deeper it has at present a bar of sand across so that nothing could enter at low water but a passage could be easily cut and the harbour rendered useful we concluded this to be the berenice described by pliny and herodotus laid down by Donville, and it nearly agreed with the situation where it is marked on the map but in order to ascertain with more accuracy we resolved to venture by going half a day higher towards the south and then we should be certain that we should pass the spot where Donville has put down the said berenice i measured the town which is in breadth from north to south sixteen hundred feet and in length from east to west two thousand feet i took the plan of the temple which seems to be in construction according to the egyptian style and we imagined that the greeks had taken their plans from this ancient people as they had done in many other places see plate thirty two it is one hundred and two feet long and forty-three feet wide it contains four chambers two on each side of the secos and cella and two in the great hall in the front our difficulty now was about the water it became very scarce and we could not positively stay there the whole of the next day the abades nearly lost their patience with our researches for they had not a drop of water for themselves we could not spare any of ours and the nearest well was supposed to be a day's journey distant they had drank but little the day before notwithstanding all this we were determined not to leave anything undone as far as we could we promised them that we would set off on the next day at twelve o'clock and fortunately being moonlight we employed part of the night to scrutinize the place it was now three days since we had eaten anything but dry biscuit and water except the fish we found at the fisherman's hut we were contented ourselves with eating biscuit but our thirst increased and our hunger diminished we persuaded the sheikh ibrahim our guide to go with us towards the south on the next morning and leave the rest of the people at the town he agreed with reluctance and said that he feared his camels and people could not start without water however on the morning of the ninth before the sun rose we set the little musa to digging he was one of the arid boys we brought with us from gurnu i made him dig in the temple he had no spade but with a shell or kakil he worked very well as it was only soft sand we set off along the beach and made straight towards the southern point before us we passed the forepart of the day in calculating that the spot where donville marked the town could not be farther south we saw nothing before us but an extensive plain to the foot of the mountains that formed the cape on the south we had glasses and could see all the ground but no sort of elevation or any other indication that could give a supposition of any remains of habitations 
we returned to the town and found that the boy had excavated about four feet of sand close to the northeast corner of the cella and to our surprise we saw that the temple was egyptian the part of the wall which was discovered was adorned with egyptian sculpture in basso relievo and well executed we could see three figures two feet three inches high of which i took drawings as well as i could see plate thirty three number one the remaining part of the wall was covered with hieroglyphics and so forth i observed the upper part of the door which leads into the inner chamber and in the same sandy hole the boy found part of an egyptian tablet covered with hieroglyphics and figures see plate sixteen it is of a kind of reddish pudding stone or breccia not belonging to the rocks near that place we took it away as a memorandum of having seen an egyptian temple on the coast of the red sea a circumstance that as yet no antiquarian has had any idea of the plain that surrounds this town is very extensive the nearest point to the mountains which form the crescent is about five miles on the west of it on the north the mountain is about twelve miles distant and on the south fifteen all the plain is inclined to vegetation such as a sandy soil can produce but in particular the lower part of it towards the sea is perpetually moist and would produce if cultivated pasture for camels sheep and other animals this moisture is naturally produced by the damp of the sea which is very strong when it happens the upper part of the plain is not so damp and i believe would be perhaps more productive of dry plants i do not know whether grain for bread could be brought to any perfection as the soil is of a sandy nature with but a small portion of clay impregnated with salt incrustations it is full of small plants of sunt and suvaros this last plant i observed along the coast growing close to the salt water and generally out of the rocks some quite under water particularly at high tides it is a small tree generally no higher than eight feet its leaves are of a substance like the laurel its form will be seen in plate thirty six this makes a very good firewood and with the sunt tree i have no doubt that the town was well provided with that article water is the commodity of most importance in such a spot for though there are three wells they are so bitter that the human palate cannot taste it without increasing the thirst camels and other beasts can drink it very well as to good water it is supposed that such a town could not be without a great supply of it i observed that the nearest mountain is only five miles distant there must have been some wells in those rocks which are now either choked up or are unknown what i can assert is that at only one day's journey there is a well of tolerably good water and at one and a half an excellent spring runs out of the rocks of granite and as the ancients had such facilities in transporting anything from a great distance by camels so this town may have been supplied with water at one day's journey distance but i am inclined to think that they had it from the nearest mountains as by their situation they must afford wells etc as to greens and other necessaries they might easily have been supplied by the soil or from the nile as kazara is at this very day at a small distance from the city i saw several groups of ruins it appears that they were houses situated out of the town in different directions 
the calculations i made about the houses and population compels me to observe that the houses were not so extensive as they are built at this day it was the custom of those people to live close to each other i observed that the largest houses were about forty feet in length and twenty in breadth some were smaller but i made the calculation at the rate of twenty by forty and i found that the square of two thousand by sixteen hundred feet would contain four thousand houses but as there were spaces of ground without buildings which may be reckoned half of the town i counted them to be only two thousand that i might not be mistaken for another caliud those people had no need of great sheds to put coaches chariots or any such luxurious lumber their cattle and camels lay always in the open air as they still do in all these countries nor had they extensive manufactories the only massy buildings for their commerce could be but a few storehouses nor could the narrow lanes which were in use in those times occupy much of the ground i calculated that with the houses out of town which are scattered about in groups here and there the population of that port must have exceeded ten thousand inhabitants a town which even to this day would be reckoned of consequence if situated on that coast as a port for commerce with india i observed also some of the tombs dug in the nearest lower rocks of a kind of soft or calcareous stone which are the only ones on the plain near the town on the western side we left the spot before the evening of the same day in consequence of the want of water and as our camel-driver had nearly lost their patience we gave them half a pint each and continued our road towards the mountain on the northwest with the firm intention of returning prepared to scrutinize the whole of those ruins at about twelve miles from the sea we entered a vale on the northwest of the town in the mountains which forms the crescent around it we continued the best part of the night by moonlight and fortunately arrived at the well at Ararat at midnight a mountainous place where the water was good enough to drink we were agreeably surprised to find the well but much more so when we saw a few sheep around it there never was a more welcome sight we thought we might have something to refresh us we proposed to purchase one and eat it as soon as it could be half cooked we approached but the guardian of the flock beat a forced march into the mountain and drove the intended repast away from us we began to think we would not continue to be deprived of what we could purchase and sent some of our drivers to follow the flock which they heartily did as they were not less hungry than ourselves the fugitives were pursued and stopped we reached the flock and found that its guardians were two beautiful damsels of the deserts the chocolate nymphs were surprised at the fountain by their pursuers and took refuge on the mountains but with some few good words from their countrymen they were soon persuaded to return and trust themselves near us we were gallant with them for the sake of devouring some of their lambs they became gradually more familiar and scrupled not to let us see their chocolate faces by the moonlight but the sheep prevailed above all and took our chief attention those poor girls had no other way to show themselves but at the well that is the only place they have a chance to see or be seen at last we purchased the sheep and devoured it the nymphs watered their flocks filled their skins and set off at daylight 
on this road we observed camels paths and pieces of broken pottery which indicated this to have been a principal way to the town and halfway between this well and habu gray we met with a station like the one which we saw before on the road to koptos i inquired and found that this valley communicated with the same i have mentioned which gave us reason to believe that the great road from koptos to berenice was directed to this place which agreed with the opinion and maps of d'anville early in the morning of the tenth we set off again toward the mountains of zabara with the intention to examine Sakit minor as we had not well seen it before the valley we were in continued to the northwest and we followed the sea at about one o'clock we arrived at keferari a well of excellent water here we rested the remaining part of the afternoon and succeeded in procuring another sheep but no better than the first the entrails were the best part of it and on all the rest it may have had about one pound of pure flesh no sheep has more in this country and less of an extraordinary size we set off on the eleventh and passed through a valley surrounded by granite rocks in the afternoon we arrived at a running spring rising out of a granite chasm a singular thing in this country as no such abundance of water is to be found anywhere it affords water enough to make a jet of about one inch diameter and the water is excellent this place is called amusne and is only at one day's journey from sakit here we found the rest of the caravan which we had sent from the seaside waiting for us on the morning of the twelfth we sent our greek interpreter to zabara requesting mahabat aga the leader of the miners to send us two of those greeks who saw the frenchmen measure the place in the mountains or the ancient town and we arranged to meet them at sakit on the next night the spot where we were this day formed a cataract which descended from an upper valley connected with others still higher and so on to the top of the mountain on the thirteenth we rested at this place all day as we were all tired and on the fourteenth we set off for sakit on our arrival there we heard from my servant that mohammed aga was not returned from the nile to the mines we might have waited for him at the first temple long enough by this time we were pretty well convinced that no other place was to be seen but to satisfy ourselves we set off on the fifteenth for the coast again through the valley from sakit to the sea on the same road mr caliud passed i took all the directions possible with compasses and calculations we arrived at the sea in the evening a journey much longer than caliud had said as he reported it was only three hours walk but we found it required nine and that by the best mode of travelling in these deserts we had left part of our water-skins at sakit on purpose to facilitate our march we arrived about a mile on the north of the valley el gamil the spot where we had visited before the sixteenth we occupied ourselves with a long examination of this coast and were convinced that there could be no landing on that shore it happens that d'anville's map is not correct on this point for it marks a bay here which according to him would form a fine harbour but on the contrary there is not such a bay and the coast is one continued rocky shore so that a small vessel could not approach nor is there any shelter for ships against any wind or any appearance of a road leading to the inland places 
the road we passed from Sakit is the very place which Kaliud took to the seaside, if a road it can be called. It is a vale which leads to the sea from the pass in the mountains, but it has not the least appearance of having been a road at any time. The inconvenience for camels to pass over this mountain when loaded would make the transport impractical. Besides, if they had to build a town for commercial purposes, they would never have built it on this spot it is one day's journey from the nearest point of the mountains toward the east to the sea situated among craggy rocks in a dry and sterile valley on the seventeenth we returned to sakit i can but conclude of this spot that it could never have been a place of commerce or the habitation of any sort of commercial people but i really believe that these few scattered houses may have been built for miners who worked in the mountains in search of emeralds in the adjacent places and that here was their chief residence we arrived at this place late at night and found that the man we left there to guard our water was gone he had taken the skins with him and did not leave us a drop of water fortunately the well was at only six hours journey distance from us so we sent the camels to water and likewise to bring some to us the following are the greek inscriptions which dr young has translated for me and which i copied from a niche in the rocks if the antiquarians by these inscriptions can make out that the above place is one of the berenices still it is certain that the greeks did not build a great town under that name Reader's note. Here follows a page of Greek text. End note. The translation will be nearly thus. A. The homage of dot 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 with my sons and those who have labored with me and have done this and have testified to the god dot dot and to our lady Isis of Cincius. B. Dot dot dot. Likewise a file untouched by fire of two pounds weight. All these things at my own expense having presented to serapis and to Myrius four drachmas the cistern half a drachm the eighth year of caesar the twenty-one of Pani, to serapis to manius i have made the temple c under aurelius and trajan of herodian maker twenty-seventh d of Symphronius, doing honor to dot dot and to isis and to apollo and to all the other gods enshrined with them i have made the temple e dot dot of berenice and the sculptured animal and having dug the channel of the river from the foundation and at his own expense has dedicated them with good fortune f pachybistus the dot 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 Pedicerus dot dot made dot dot Fafli twenty ninth Poetius the son of Asidius Paiani the twenty ninth. Here is no water nearer than one day's journey either for man or beast, nor soil for any verdure. The spot is sheltered from the wind so that it receives the full power of the sun in all points. Besides all the circumstances before mentioned, the small niche where this inscription was found is situated on the road to Berenice, and I cannot persuade myself that such a place as this can be one of those of that name. On the 18th we searched for some hours all the neighboring mountains, and found several mines at about half an hour's walk distance in the valley that leads to the pass towards Zabora, and three others near this place. The 19th. 
early in the morning we took our course to the south and at about two p m we reached the point where the road takes its course to the west in this spot we found one of the stations as before mentioned it is called kafafit we continued till the evening and arrived at habukidi near a mountain in the form of a bell in the valley of wadi el gemal we saw abundance of the trees egli and the plant-like rushes called murk the twentieth early we set off and passed through a wide plain as we left the mountain and arrived at Habukarug, a place that appears to be at the entrance of the chain of mountains that leads to the nile our camels were so tired they could hardly crawl we had lost three on the road and one we expected would not last long it is difficult to form a correct idea of a desert without having been in one it is an endless plain of sand and stones sometimes intermixed with mountains of all sizes and heights without roads or shelter without any sort of produce for food the few scattered trees and shrubs of thorns that only appear when the rainy season leaves some moisture barely serve to feed wild animals and a few birds everything is left to nature the wandering inhabitants do not care to cultivate even these few plants and when there is no more of them in one place they go to another when the trees become old and lose their vegetation in such climates as these the sun which constantly beams upon them burns and reduces them to ashes i have seen many of them entirely burnt the other smaller plants have no sooner risen out of the earth than they are dried up and all take the colour of straw with the exception of the plant haruk this falls off before it is dry speaking in general of a desert there are few springs of water some of them at the distance of four six and eight days journey from one another and not all of sweet water on the contrary it is generally salt or bitter so that if the thirsty traveller drinks of it it increases his thirst and he suffers more than before but when the dreadful calamity happens that the next well which is so anxiously sought for is found dry the misery of such a situation cannot be well described the camels which afford the only means of escape are so thirsty that they cannot proceed to another well and if the travellers kill them to extract the little liquid which remains in their stomachs they themselves cannot advance any farther the situation must be dreadful and admits of no resource i must not omit what i have been told happens in such cases many perish victims of the most horrible thirst it is then that the value of a cup of water is really felt he that has a zarafan of it is the richest of all in such a case there is no distinction if the master has none the servant will not give it to him for very few are the instances where a man will voluntarily lose his life to save that of another particularly in a caravan in the desert where people are strangers to each other what a situation for a man though a rich one perhaps the owner of all the caravans he is dying for a cup of water no one gives it to him he offers all he possesses no one hears him they are all dying though by walking a few hours farther they might be saved the camels are lying down and cannot be made to rise no one has strength to walk only he that has a glass of that precious liquor lives to walk a mile farther and perhaps dies too if the voyages on seas are dangerous so are those in the deserts 
at sea the provisions very often fail in the desert it is worse at sea storms are met with in the desert there cannot be a greater storm than to find a dry well at sea one meets with pirates we escape we surrender we die in the desert they rob the traveller of all his property and water they let him live perhaps but what a life to die the most barbarous and agonizing death in short to be thirsty in a desert without water exposed to the burning sun without shelter and no hopes of finding either is the most terrible situation that a man can be placed in and i believe one of the greatest sufferings that a human being can sustain the eyes grow inflamed the tongue and lips swell a hollow sound is heard in the ears which brings on deafness and the brains appear to grow thick and inflamed all these feelings arise from the want of a little water in the midst of all this misery the deceitful morasses appear before the traveller at no great distance something like a lake or river of clear fresh water the deception of this phenomenon is well known as i mentioned before but it does not fail to invite the longing traveller towards that element and to put him in remembrance of the happiness of being on such a spot if perhaps a traveller is not undeceived he hastens his pace to reach it sooner the more he advances toward it the more it goes from him till at last it vanishes entirely and the deluded passenger often asks where is the water he saw at no great distance he can scarcely believe that he was so deceived he protests that he saw the waves running before the wind and the reflection of the high rocks in the water if unfortunately any one falls sick in the road there is no alternative he must endure the fatigue of travelling on a camel which is troublesome even to healthy people or he must be left behind on the sand without any assistance and remain so till a slow death come to relieve him what horror what a brutal proceeding to an unfortunate sick man no one remains with him not even his old and faithful servant no one will stay and die with him all pity his fate but no one will be his companion why not stop the whole caravan till he is better or do what they can for the best till he dies no this delay cannot be it will put all in danger of perishing of thirst if they do not reach the next well in such a time besides they are all different parties generally of merchants or travellers who will not only refuse to put themselves in danger but will not even wait a few hours to save the life of an individual whether they know him or not in contrast to the evil there is the luxury of the desert and also its sport which is generally at the well there one enjoys all the delight of drinking as much water as one likes which tastes not unlike cordials or other precious liqueurs with the others in that situation the beasts mixed with birds drink together close to the well there is a kind of basin made of clay which is filled up by the drivers from the well where the thirsty animals all drink together camels sheep dogs donkeys and birds as it is the only time they can partake of that liquid for if it is not drawn up from the well they cannot reach it i only saw four species of birds viz the vulture crow wild pigeon and partridge of this last we eat some and found them exceedingly good the crows are the most numerous they tease the camels by picking their wounds if they have any 
the other and most pleasing diversion is the most beautiful damsels who come as shepherdesses to water their flocks who after being assured that there is no danger in approaching strangers become more sociable on such occasions our observing their gestures afforded us great amusement but our water-skins filled and the camels loaded we were obliged to quit these dear spots with the hope of meeting another like it in a few days and so on till we reached the blessed nile but the journey was pleasant enough this day as we had a well only within a few hours we set off at two in the morning of the twentieth and before noon reached the well at hamshis containing very good water here we lost another camel he could not go any farther we set off again in the afternoon and arrived at a place at the foot of a mountain of granite early on the twenty first we set off again and soon entered the ravine of granite rocks that reminded us of the cataract which we saw on our passing before after this we arrived at the station of samut which we also saw before at the same time we arrived at night at dangos where the mountains are not very high and of calcareous stone from the cataract and from nearly dawn to this place we found the track of an old road which continued in the direction of southeast and northwest and i have very little doubt but that it is the same we saw at bizak on our passing before and which takes its course in a right line from coptos to berenice on the twenty second we continued our route at one in the morning and arrived at wadi almida at sunset we took a measurement of the fort which i mentioned before and early on the twenty-third proceeded and arrived at the first well the water of this place tasted to us very bad on our going up but it appeared pretty good on our return in the night we arrived at the nile and our having been long deprived of good water made us sensible of the superiority of that of the river over the wells we had been accustomed to certainly i am of opinion that there are few waters if any in europe that can be compared with that of the nile it answers all purposes it has the freshness of spring and the softness of river water it is excellent to drink and it serves all other purposes plate thirty eight is a topographical map which i made of the above journey as correct as i could we went on board our little boat the same night on the twenty fourth the sheikh of the abadi came to us and we presented him with a gun and some powder and balls we complained of the badness of the camels with which he had provided us he assured us that no one of the abadi had ever undertaken such a journey as we had and that the camels were not accustomed to such forced marches we gave a gun a shawl and money to our guide who behaved uncommonly well we talked of repeating our journey and they assured us that if we returned they would furnish us with camels that would take us anywhere we pleased and as long as we would stay we sent a pair of pocket pistols to the kachef and the island thanking him for his goodness and attention the place we now reached on the nile was a few miles north of that where we had entered in the desert opposite ephru and a little south of elithias the road which i observed all along the valley undoubtedly was a communication between that town and berenice and on the east to the emerald mines it is not to be wondered at that the town of elithias must have been of some consequence as there is all the probability of commerce having been carried on there 
there is still a landing place which evidently proves the loading and unloading of boats for that purpose and i am of opinion that this place must have been more frequented by the caravans from the sea than coptos as it is a somewhat shorter journey to the nile we set off for esne on our journey down it was pleasing to see the difference of the country all the lands that were under water before were now not only dried up but were already sown the muddy villages carried off by the rapid current were all rebuilt the fences opened the fellows at work in the fields and all wore a different aspect it was only fifteen days since the water had retired and in that period it decreased more than eight feet it is not so every year when the nile increases slowly it decreases also in the same manner this is in consequence of the abundance or scarcity of rain which falls during the rainy season in abyssinia the natives rather prefer the rapid rising of the nile for it covers more space of land so that it be not too much as was the case this year and if the water remain eight days over it it does so much good as if it continued twenty by this time the drowned people were forgotten and the only calamity remaining was the scarcity of provisions among the fellows the nile had taken away their stock and the cachefs were only busied in procuring grain for seed in all such cases the poor labourer is the last thought of we arrived at esne on the morning of the twenty fifth and visited the bey who received us very politely he inquired about the mines and was very anxious to know the result we told him that nothing could be known on the subject till they were cleared of all the materials with which they were choked up we made him a present of a fine english gun he was much pleased and offered to give us all his assistance in anything that he could we set off and arrived at gournou on the same night after forty days absence which i hope were not uselessly employed end of part twenty one